Hello and welcome to Res Publica. My name is Amy Thomas and today I am absolutely thrilled to be interviewing Representative Alex Dominguez from Texas. So the representative is a highly distinguished member of the Texas legislature. Representing the 37th district, he has been a strong voice for Southern Texas and definitely has a very bright future ahead of him. We're so excited to have you with us today, Representative. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Great, that's amazing. First of all, thank you so, so much for joining us for an interview. So you and your colleagues recently took a quorum break to block the passing of a voting rights bill in Texas, which would restrict voting rights. Could you explain to our listeners what a quorum break is? 100 physical members in the room to be able to discuss house business. Uh, one of the tools that the Constitution allows is basically for the minority party to break quorum by having at least 50 members leave uh, the, the House to leave the room, uh, record that with the clerk so that no business can be conducted. Uh, of course, the other half of that is that Article, uh, sorry, Section 10 of the State Constitution also allows the Speaker of the House the power to draw us back into the room by force if necessary. Okay, amazing. And in this particular instance, why was a quorum break the best course of action? So one of the bills that we have been discussing and debating for a number of months uh, is a voter suppression bill that the governor is, is pushing. And he's not the only one. Similar bills have been successful in other Southern states in the United States. Mm -hmm. And we expect those to have repercussions uh, in the amount of people of color being able to vote, even people with disabilities being able to vote at their polling place of choice, or in our case, being able to vote by mail. The reason why this has been a, such a hot topic is because we see in Texas a shift in the de demographics where there are more people of color actively participating in elections. Texas has long been a state with low voter turnout, especially among those that tend to vote Democrat. And because of the change in that voting population, I believe that the Republican Party of Texas, amongst other states, is trying to reduce the size of the electorate. Well, when we faced a similar bill on the last day of voting back in May during our regular session, uh, we were given over 100 new pages of legislation at the uh, 12th hour. And at that time, we decided the important thing to do would be to break quorum again. Uh, so that was the first time we broke quorum uh, this calendar year. But it's not something that we ever do lightly. It, it's yeah. very rare for somebody to do it in their legislative lifetime. And we did it twice within the span of two months. Um, but the reason why we did so is we need to send a clear message to the governor that we would like him to have a better bill. And secondly, to light a fire under the lawmakers up in Washington, DC, who are themselves trying to decide on federal voting rights legislation. Amazing. And how long do you and your colleagues expect to have to stay up in DC during this crisis? Obviously you've mentioned that it's been slightly prolonged by having to do it twice. Well, I certainly packed enough clothing to be here until August 7th. Uh, the special sessions in Texas last 30 days. Uh, the call was from uh, July 8th, so we will end approximately July 7th. 
to which the governor has already stated he will call another special session on August 8th. Uh, we have yet to have discussions on what we will do for that special. Uh, the main thing was being able to leave the state so that the long arm of the law in Texas wouldn't be able to come and get us here in the District of Columbia. And could you define what you think a victory would look like from this quorum break? I think we've already achieved a number of successes. We brought a lot of national, in fact, in some ways, international to the fight of voter in America. In 1964, 1965, the US government passed revolutionary voting rights legislation. And since then, in the past maybe 10 years, those rights have been weakened by the Supreme Court that's dominated by conservatives. Uh, even as of earlier this summer, there was a decision that clearly indicated that there are instances where voters are being discriminated against, but the Supreme Court said uh, that that wasn't enough and information needs to be updated. Well, if it's time 60 years later to refresh the old voting rules, then we need to encourage our lawmakers here in Washington to update them uh, with the utmost urgency. And going forward, do you think that your decision to break quorum will help Texas Democrats uh, in the long term? I think so. And, and the reason why is we can look at it in two ways. Had we not done anything, had members of the state house like myself merely sat there, uh, taking our poison, or as we say in Texas, taking our whipping, uh, since we're outnumbered, and it's, it's very hard to stop the bill a second time. The first time we were able to stop it with procedural rules, uh, to which they are now wise to. Uh, so it, we could have just gone back and sat there and taken it. But if we had done that without drawing attention, we would be further hurting our numbers during the 2022 election when we would send representatives back up to Austin. So it's a perpetual cycle. If we ever loosen up that fight, then we are only hurting ourselves down the road. Exactly. Um, and as I'm sure you're aware, this isn't the first time that Democrats in the Texas legislature have broken quorum as a result of voting rights. What lessons do you think have been learned from more recent instances, such as in 2003, which garnered the nickname the Killer Deeds. So in, in Texas's history, this is the fifth time that there has been such a quorum break. Uh, the most recent one was in 2003. In that case, the members of the, the Texas House only broke quorum for about four days, whereas members of the Senate broke quorum for 45 days. The, their main focus was trying to derail and negotiate a better redistricting act. In Texas, as in most states in this country, every 10 years after the census, we will redraw the maps for state, House, state Senate, and U.S. congressional seats uh, for representation. Uh, because now, as, as it was back then, the, the people in power, the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the speaker of the House are all members of the other party. They're likely to draw lines that are favorable to themselves and not favorable to Democrats at all. At that time, they, they could only have limited success because they knew they didn't have the numbers. In our case, when we chose to broke quorum, it's because there is similar legislation taking place up in Washington, D.C. Should either uh, the For Your People Act or the John Lewis Voting Rights Act pass, if either one passes, then the things that, John, that Greg, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, is trying to do in Texas will be completely undone. And that's what we're hoping for. 
So actually, just to follow on from that, you mentioned the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the For the People Act. And these are two massive bills that are both going through Congress about voting rights. Do you think that federal action is necessary to guarantee the voting protections that all Americans need? It's absolutely necessary. The Republicans know that down the road, they cannot stay in power if they allow fair elections. Uh, we saw what happened when there were good fair elections in the state of Georgia. Georgia yeah. went for Democrats. Uh, that was you know, a pie in the sky wish list, certainly not expected for either the president or two senators to be elected out of Georgia. Um, we know that that is the future. We know that Texas is trending purple or blue uh, with enough time. So Republicans know that they must try to pass these state laws, at least as so far as the Democrats control the presidency and uh, both branches of the legislature in Washington. And the reason why we need either of these bills, though both would be amazing, is because they draw attention to the redistricting process in addition to voting rights protections. If we can have those uh, protections in place, such as preclearance, then we can see future uh, attempts by states to frustrate voter, voter rights would be stopped by the courts. It was great to hear you mention Georgia. I actually did some campaigning uh, in the, the final weeks before that Georgia election and so it was great to see it go blue and we'd love to see the same thing happen in texas and um, you also mentioned you're that amazing thank you for coming down oh thank yes. you um yeah so just stick with redistricting um obviously as you mentioned that's as a result of the census and that's imminent in october are you worried about partisan gerrymandering by texas republicans Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they can't wait to start the gerrymandering process. And all of this started back uh, last year when the Trump administration ended the counting early uh, in the census process. So we use census street level data to draw the maps for congressional seats. Uh, my belief is that had the census continued to count in my state, Texas could have picked up a third congressional seat. Uh, as it is, we will be adding two new seats, and the Republicans are really looking for a way to squeeze as many Democrats into House districts, thus leaving the suburb and rural areas open for multiple county congressional seats, thereby protecting their lead. As we know, currently in the U.S. Congress, there's about a four-person majority that the Democrats have. Even if the Republicans were not able to earn a new seat by flipping a seat in the redistricting process, they can eliminate congressional seats in some states and make it easier for them to take back Congress. So it's a very important process that we'll likely see play out in the courts as well. And to follow on from that, Texas state law means that any and all redistricting is immediately sent to the state Supreme Court for review. Do you think this is the best protection possible for redistricting? Or might a system like Arizona's independent commission be more suitable? I would cherish an independent review system, uh, either like Arizona's or Michigan's, uh, or a few other states have those. And the reason why I say that, uh, in Texas, the governor has immense power in appointing Supreme Court justices. For example, a current justice, Ava Guzman, uh, resign from the bench so that she can run for office. Well, now the governor will appoint somebody to replace her. And as it is, all the other 
Supreme Court justices are Republican. So how likely do I think that they're going to be um, as opposed to following through their judicial oath? You know, I, I, would, I would hope that they could be fair, but I think there's a reason why there's partisan uh, elections for judicial positions and its support. Yeah, yeah. So to change the topic, other than voting rights, what are some of the biggest issues that are most important to you? Yeah, where I come from in South Texas, it's one of the most impoverished areas in the entire country. So jobs, skills, training are very important. But more importantly, making sure that we have a strong foundation in, in public education. As you may have heard, the state Senate recently passed a bill that would undermine the strong civics history that we have in Texas, such as teaching uh, the struggles of Martin Luther King Jr. or women's suffrage in this country. Yeah. I think it's preposterous that they're trying to whitewash uh, Texas history and remove those topics that will be taught at every major university. Can you imagine growing up in a state where you don't even know that there were slaves at one point? I, if they could remove that from the history books, they certainly would. As a former educator, I'm appalled at this. I'm embarrassed uh, for my state. And I hope that all this can get undone in the next special. Definitely. Um, a recent bill of yours was a resounding success and even received praise from the likes of the former Republican governor and Trump's energy secretary, Rick Perry. Could you explain to our listeners what this bill involved and the benefit that it will cause in the future? Well, certainly. So what the bill entails, uh, it will enact a first of its kind clinical study of the use of psychedelic medicine for the treatment of PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder in our military veterans. Uh, so in the United States, the suicide rate among veterans that suffer from PTSD is about 20 lives lost every day. That's about 6,000 per year. To put in context, since 2001, the U.S. has had over 114,000 deaths of its veterans due to PTSD. Uh, that number is larger than the entire number of casualties that we had in the conflicts that we've had since 2001. It's a problem that's not going away, and it will only continue to grow if left unaddressed. The two current medications allowed in this country for the treatment of PTSD uh, have been largely ineffective, and many veterans stop using them because they feel like they're uh, drugged up or they, what they say is a zombie-like state. Uh, which leads them to self-medicating, sometimes getting in trouble with the law, getting disenfranchised from their own families, uh, and they're at their wit's end. In pushing for this bill, I was trying to work uh, with a number of groups, uh, both members of the military and also the scientific and medical community. What this will do is immediately provide relief for about 250 to 300 veterans who are all going to volunteer for this program at a local hospital. And they will be given the clinical doses that we think will be appropriate for a regimen that we can use for later studies down the road. If we are successful in this, we hope that the U.S. government will take on this bill and bring it to a national level. It's important not just for our veterans that have PTSD, but think of all the other people in this country and others that suffer. Uh, there are first responders, victims of sexual assault, victims of an accident, people that have um, uh, temporal brain injuries. Uh, there's a lot of people that could benefit from, from this, 
but we kept this bill very narrow because it's not every day that Texas passes any bill dealing with uh, psychedelics, much, much less uh, mushrooms. So it was important to keep it narrowly tailored yeah. to the veteran community, which all Texans seem to support. So we are very grateful for the support that we had from former Governor Rick Perry and the number of special operatives that came and testified in favor of this approach. That sounds like some amazing benefits. And I'm sure with further research, we'll be able to, to start rolling that out. And um, you can definitely see benefits, as you said, in other areas, especially in the wake of the pandemic um, and first responders, as you mentioned. So to finish, we have a couple of just lighthearted questions for you. Um, what are you watching on Netflix at the minute? You know what, the main thing is that I am eagerly anticipating Umbrella Academy to come up with its next season, if it ever happens. Uh, mm -hmm. and beyond that, I'm also waiting for Stranger Things, uh, yeah. but I am getting a chance uh, very, very late in the evenings to watch old TV shows. There was a season of The Walking Dead that I didn't see. Uh, mm -hmm. I do watch it with a light on just to make sure. <laughs> But there are a number of great, great shows and movies out there that think outside of the box. I'm a big fan of uh, oh, those futuristic movies with a post-apocalyptic uh, type of setting. Uh, mm -hmm. And the reason why I, I watch those is I really hope it never comes to that. But if it does, I want to be ready. <laughs> exactly. Very good. And what would be your go-to takeout? And is there a different one that you found in D.C.? I'm a big fan of Asian food, and I found this amazing restaurant about five blocks from here that has just the best crispy orange beef you've ever had. It melts in your mouth. Uh, it's, it's just incredibly savory and just enough spice to keep it interesting. That sounds insane. And we've heard that in the Texas legislature, many of you pride yourselves on your salsa recipes. Do you have your own one? Uh, and what is the secret? I do. So my recipe involves roasting a number of vegetables over an open flame. So we'll have some large green onions, some regular yellow onions that are the 1015 variety, the sweetest kind you can find anywhere on the planet. Then we have some nice habaneros for a little bit of heat, some nice roasted tomatoes. Uh, and depending on how I'm feeling, a couple of bell peppers and some mm -hmm. garlic. And we heat all that up. You know, we, we cut them up a little bit to remove some of the excess, put them all in a nice little blender with some heat action, get that going, pour it into a nice bowl. By then it's steaming hot. And here's the trick that only somebody from the Southern Texas border would get. We had little chunks of cheese. It's not quite enough to just become a gooey mess, but they'll sit nicely on your chip or your tortilla. And it's just a little extra mm, South Texas. That's where it's at. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Definitely we'll try that. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and we really look forward to seeing what is next for you and wish you all the best going forward. Well, thanks so much, Amy. I'm very excited. Uh, I think that we've done quite a number of things here that are positive, but more importantly, it just goes to show that just a small group of people can make a difference. And that's Absolutely. what we're here. Absolutely. And it's such an inspiring message. So thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. You take Thank care. You. Be good. Thank you.